The failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Off. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Zero Carbonista. I'm Ian Collins. And of course, this series is all about the campaigns, ideas, thoughts of Dale Vince, the entrepreneur whose success is firmly in the green energy sector, the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company. And of course, lots of opinions and views outside just running that. One of them is football. We might come on to that in just a bit. He is, of course, the chairman of Forest Green Rovers, currently doing well in League Two. And of course, we are here to answer some of your questions along the way as well. Dale, hello. Yeah, morning. Uh, I think we should (laughs) just, well, I think this sums things up. So I'm assuming you you didn't wake up a a happy man this morning. Actually, I I woke up uh, quite happy because uh, I went to bed, you know, reasonably early. The um, exit polls had just come in, indicating that the Tories had won, and uh, that was enough for me. I went to bed, didn't think about it again, woke up fairly happy, um, you know, um, and then... I've I've gradually found out the results, you know, the more detailed results throughout the morning. And, you know... It's not the end of the world, uh, although it's not going to help us avoid the end of the world, <laughs> you know, in terms of fighting climate sure. change. And I always look for, a, a, you know, an upside, a silver lining in every circumstance. And, you know, we do have to kind of dust ourselves off and yeah. and, uh, you know, kind of uh, re-engage because because this is this is our house. We live here, you know, and, you know, these these foolish people are in control for the next five years, but that shouldn't deflect us from the agenda you know there's really important work to do and I, and I do think that actually Boris Johnson now is completely in control and has nobody else to blame and all of his chickens are going to come home to roost he's got to quote get the economy motoring he's got to quote get Brexit done and he's got to do all of these things that he said he's going to do and you know come the next election and it will come then, uh, you know, there'll be a big test for him. as left nobody else to blame. Yeah, so I was wondering this. When I... I mean, let's just remind ourselves how the news was broken. It is six minutes past five in the morning, and uh, we are now in a position to say that this election of 2019 formally has been won by the Conservatives. And when I heard that, Dale, I... Actually, I thought of you. You were one of the first people I thought of because I thought, actually, you're a, you're a problem solver. You're a person that's looked at conundrums. You've looked at what people have said, you know, well, that would be impossible to do that or you can't do that or that's too expensive, blah, blah, blah. And I, I thought, well, if anybody could probably see some optimism in this or a way around it, it's going to be Dale Vince because, of course, what struck me is that a lot of those Labour seats went purely because of Brexit. But fast forward a couple of years and the Brexit issue goes away and that potentially leaves the Conservatives quite barren in some respects. And it, it's not a it's not a surefire bet that this is a shoe in for the next two or three general elections. No, I think it's the opposite. 
actually. You know, I think they've become a single issue party and I think they avoided the blame for austerity because Brexit was front and center. It was the mantra of the election for them, get Brexit done. I don't think Brexit will go away at the next election because I think it will have been shown to have been exactly what many people said it would be, a complete, well, let me say clusterfuck. And and I think the Conservatives have to own this. And they, you know, they won't be able to escape that. They won't be able to blame that on Labour or a parliament that wouldn't let them do what they wanted to yeah. do. You know, they won't be able to escape, I think, the blame for austerity. Uh, Johnson's promises now of investment in public services and not selling off the NHS and not allowing chlorinated chicken and the lowering of standards to U.S. levels, all of those have to now bear fruit. And, and I don't think that they will. And I do think that at the next election, we could see a very different circumstance. You know, maybe we'll see a, a, a Labour landslide uh, for the first time since, you know, was mean, it, that, 97? That absolutely could happen. You're not the first person to, to, to wonder about that because although the headlines are quite damning to Labour uh, as we sort of all woke up to what is there, the uh, the way back actually might curiously be quicker than people think. You know, this wasn't based on the fact that lots of people said, oh, we love the Conservative policy on the national health or the environment. <laughs> it was just purely on this one... It seems in many of those seats, you know, the Sedgefield, Stoke-on-Trent, etc., it seems that it was a kind of Brexit thing. Well, once that is sort of out the way a little bit in whatever form that takes, then that potentially does leave them rather exposed. Yeah, and I think Johnson is exposed. You know, he's, he's going to be hoist by his own petard, to use that expression, because he wants a no-deal Brexit. He's now going to get one because Parliament won't and can't stand in his way. He now has to justify that. Not now, but at the next election, he has to justify why that wasn't such a bad thing and or, or, or he has to find an excuse for why it was bad, but it wasn't his fault. Yeah. <laughs> it was somebody else's. So I think he's got exactly what he wanted and we will now see the extent to which uh, everything he says doesn't add up and the promise that he's made won't be delivered We'll see that at the next election. And I think he'll be held to account for that. And the Tory party have become a single-issue party. I think they've become detached from the electorate generally, except on the issue of Brexit, when people were so fed up and just wanted it done. And I think that was the cut-through message, probably, uh, that won them the election. What about in terms of the... I, I was trying to think what the Tory environmental policy is. Um, I, I would defer to you on <laughs> yes, that, Dale. I'm sure that what could ensue <laughs> get a now microscope is like 30, out. <laughs> 30 seconds of radio silence, probably, if you, as we, we examine it. But I, I know that you certainly haven't been. The Conservatives say that we're the most environmentally friendly than many other countries around the world. We've brought our um, pollution levels down more than any other. They, they use that line quite a lot. I don't know if that's true. You probably do know whether it's true or not. But what, what broadly speaking, is there anything for you as somebody who campaigns on this stuff to be excited about the Conservatives? Um, silence. <laughs> there was the predicted silence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, um, you know, what's the Tories' uh, environment policy? I, I think you need a magnifying glass to find it. Look at the climate change leaders' debate on TV. Boris Johnson didn't turn up. That's the Tories' policy on the environment. That's their attitude to the climate. Uh, they can find a bunch of stats that says, yeah, we're pretty good, you know, we're one of the world's leading countries, we've got this amazing target of zero carbon by 2050. You know, that's only uh, 20 years too late, but, but you know, they, they gloss over that. Um, a lot of the progress on renewables was made under, uh, under Labour, the big push into offshore, the renewals obligation and all that kind of stuff. You know, they've, they've taken a lot of credit for that. Uh, even though they shut down the onshore wind and solar industries, they still claim to be 
a renewables-friendly government. They, they, of course, are not. The uh, the moratorium on fracking uh, that they announced before the election, that will now be lifted and fracking will come back. Uh, you know, this is the least green government you know, that we've ever had. And, and Cameron was very ungreen. But uh, Johnson, I think he'll, um, you know, he'll, he'll add to that. It's interesting because he's, one would assume, he's hoping for, you know, he, he wants this, he's got this five years, potentially five years, but he would probably dearly love another five because that would put him up there as a, a longer serving prime minister, potentially, than, than Thatcher. Now, if he got that... He surely, from his own vanity perspective, I know we've sort of touched on this before, he doesn't want to be the bloke that is the chief recipient of all the bad, irreversible news around climate change, because it would all fall in his lap, wouldn't it? So from his own self-interest point of view, you'd think he'd be a bit more on this. I think he's a very short-term person. And I think he supported Leave. He was ultimately one of the chief architects of the Leave vote, but he supported it for his own short-term political interest. I don't think he expected to win it. Having won it, he then had to make a you know decent fist of it. I don't think there's any logical argument for leaving. There is no benefit for us to gain as a country from leaving, and that will be proven in the, in the coming years. But he hasn't thought that far ahead. He jumped on the bandwagon that would help his own career. He's not thinking about climate change and what happens in 10 years' time. I don't believe so, not for a minute. Uh, let's look at some other news uh, this week, and uh, we start here. Time Magazine's Person of the Year has just been revealed, oh. and that person is, drumroll please, who? Oh. Greta Thunberg. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. She was Very right good here. choice. Uh, Greta Thunberg, of course, has been named Time Magazine Person of the Year. I noticed, Dale, that it took uh, Donald Trump about two minutes before he sort of sent out a disparaging tweet <laughs> over this. <laughs> yes. I, if I was Greta, I'd take that as a badge of honour, I think. Yeah, he's obviously jealous, <laughs> which is amusing. The, uh, so to say, most powerful man in the world, and, you know, probably that is true, is, uh, is jealous of... Uh, of this schoolgirl climate campaigner yeah. um, for, for the accolade of being, you know, on the front page of Time magazine and, you know, fair play to her. Uh, I, I imagine that she's herself not that impressed by being on the front page of uh, that magazine. Uh, I don't think she's that impressed by awards and stuff like that. Uh, I think she's much more focused on what needs to be done and, and not enough is being done. And, you know, that's an opinion I share. She's a game changer, though, isn't she? I mean, I, I know she does divide opinion, but often... That opinion is divided because of people perhaps like Donald Trump, etc. But in, t- in terms of mobilising a debate and accelerating a debate, uh, I think we talked about this in, in one of the previous episodes. You know, there was this girl sitting outside her own house as a sort of 14, 15-year-old at the time with a little placard talking about hmm. the damage that's being done. And you fast forward one year, one year, and there's people across the, in Tasmania going on strike because of this very <laughs> issue. I mean, that, that's, yeah. if you put that in a Netflix drama, people would say, well, that would never happen. But it absolutely yeah, that's right. did. If you, that's right. If you, if you wrote it as a book, that would be a, a work of fiction, wouldn't it? But then, you know, so would having a reality TV star, inverted commas, as president of the United States. Uh, you know, you can't make that stuff up, can you? Speak, uh, he speaks well of you, she, Dale. Did you know that? What, Donald Trump? <laughs> I keep looking at Twitter because I'm dying for the sort of exchange between you and Trump on Twitter. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before that happens, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I mean, Greta's had a, a you know an amazing impact. There's no doubt about it. She's a very single-minded person, and it takes very single-minded people to to bring change to the world. It does. Uh, here's some questions from social media. Tim Andrews on Twitter says, "What do you think, Dale, of Coldplay's decision to stop touring?" Um, and of course, they you know they cited 
environmental considerations on this? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a bold, brave move. I think they're stopping touring until they can do it in a much more environmentally friendly fashion, if I if I understand it correctly. I mean, there's there are a lot of parallels between uh, gigs and uh, you know their big public events and football, which are big public events. You know, obviously I'm involved in that through Forest Green and uh, and you know through the United Nations as well about greening up the world of sports. So you know, I get where they're coming from. I think it's it's a brave and bold decision and. Uh, we're actually uh, engaging with the music industry at the moment um, around how we can put on as close to carbon neutral uh, v- uh, gig event in Britain sometime next year as is possible. Because football has come under some criticism, hasn't it, for that? Because of you know places, far-flung places where you know the majority of teams have got to travel a ridiculous amount of air miles just to get to play in the first round of something. Yeah, I think there was a particularly uh, egregious example from last year yeah. uh, where the two finalists played in Baku. Uh, I think they were both from Britain, <laughs> England. Um, and, you know, that was particularly egregious. But the organization behind that, uh, which was UEFA, they seem to have taken a completely different approach to uh, to this year's tournament. Uh, somebody was talking to me about it yesterday, actually, saying that, uh, you know, it's, it's going to it's going to be very different and he wonders if it was due to the you know the kind of kickback sure. uh, over backo i think it probably was and you know they are signatories to the un climate sport for climate action program i think they have taken uh, all of this stuff on board and and they're doing something about it which is fab you know and sport can do something about it sport has a great kind of uh, power to influence people and it does at the same time have a responsibility to sort itself out and it does have an impact but that can be acknowledged and it can be addressed sticking with matters football Shelley on facebook says are you going to be signing any new players for forest green rovers this january yeah we are not like uh, a massive amount you know uh, i would think maybe two or three uh-huh. Something like that, obviously, but for anybody that follows, as I say, obviously, but you know, we're third in the league, uh, so we're having our best ever season in League Two. Uh, we're almost halfway through the season. We feel like we're in a good place, but um, we will be looking for two or three players in January, and uh, let's see if we can get ourselves up into League One this year. That would be great to do. Uh, Mark on Twitter, uh, what next, Dale? Are you going to stand for Parliament? There's been a few people ask that question, that bearing in mind you're, you're, you're sort of your own backstory, your kind of campaigning ethos and everything you stand for is... I mean, I can't think of a worse job, by the way, in standing for Parliament. However, I can see why other people think it would be a good job. Yeah, well, I'm not sure it's a good job. And, you know, I spent most of my life thinking politics was a waste of time. And, uh, you know, I used to think that it was possible to bring more change by just getting on and doing stuff. So, you know, I've been asked this question like before, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And I'd yeah. say, well, look, I just think that, you know, politics is a lot of talking and, and not so much action. And then by, by starting a company like Ecotricity, I feel I've been able to bring more change and demonstrate, uh, you know, different ways of doing things. But I must say that in the last few years, I've started to reevaluate that when I've seen the kinds of people that are in power in Britain, I've seen the the lack of experience and qualification for the positions of power that they occupy and influence over the, you know, the affairs of our country. And I've thought to myself, crikey, I could do a better job than that. I'm better qualified in terms of life experience than that. And, you know, I think I make more sense than a lot of people that are in power today. And it has crossed my mind that it might be more effective to try to operate in politics now than it is in business. I can imagine the frustration. I can sort of see you sitting there on one of the green benches and, I don't know, Jacob Rees-Mogg giving one of his two-hour speeches and you thinking, so I can't do this anymore, sod this. <laughs> clearing off to the bar or something, which I think most people would be inclined to do, perhaps. 
Yeah, I can understand that. I, I used to think my biggest impediment was the dress code, actually, because it's something I bumped into in football as well, uh, the need in some boardrooms to wear ties. But up until recently, you had to wear a tie in the House of Commons, but that's no longer the case. So, yeah. so at least that impediment's gone. True. Vic on Facebook says, any good environmental tips for Christmas, Dale? Well, I guess one of them would be not to eat turkey. <laughs> yeah, or don't do it, I would say. <laughs> what, <laughs> Christmas. <Eddie>? Cancel Christmas. <laughs> Just don't do it, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've kind of, I'm, I'm not that. the biggest fan of Christmas, I have to say. You know, the, the, to a degree, I, I find it a little bit... Um, artificial, the uh, the happiness at one time in the year, the generosity at one time in the year, and then the environment and, and kind of uh, animal rights kind of catastrophe that is in the background of that, you know, uh, I do find it all a bit strange, but it's become massively commercial. Sure. Um, and, and I think that's the driver for it. So, you know, the risk of sounding like the Grinch, um, I don't want to spoil <laughs> Christmas. I think that was his mission. That's not my mission. I just personally don't have a lot of attachment to it. Uh, and we've just a final point. A, a few people have a pop at us after the last episode because, yeah, we did something really bad. I don't know if you're aware of it. Um, we were remiss. We failed epically, Dale. We didn't play a Trump clip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And apparently that's we mentioned a, him. We did mention him, but we, we didn't. The appointment to listen for many people is when we play something like this. You're going to have to have China and Japan and all of Asia and all of these other countries, you know, addresses our country. Right now we're at the cleanest we've ever been. And that's very important to me. But if we're clean, but every other place on earth is dirty, that's not so good. So I want clean air, I want clean water, very important. Is there any part of you now, when you hear him there, that you think there must be within the multifarious dimensions of this man and, and you know anyone is wants or desires the president they often say don't they if you if you seek the job you shouldn't have it and all that business but you know particularly with someone like trump very different kind of president to previous ones we've had uh, is there any part of that you think somewhere in there there if i could chisel away with my big sledgehammer of logic into the thought process of donald trump i would find a, a green thinker in there somewhere. I could talk him off that shelf. I don't think you would find a thinker in there. Never mind a green thinker. Honestly, I don't think there's a thinker in there. I, I think there's a man that simply loves himself and, and lives for himself. And on that point, Dale, we'll speak on the next episode. Thank you, Ian. And that's it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, you can subscribe for free from your own podcast provider so that you get each episode automatically. Make sure you leave a review as well. Really important bit. Make sure you follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. We'll see you on the next episode. Zero carbon. East off.